And good evening, good evening, Los Angeles. Uh, this is Apologetics.com Radio, where we challenge believers to think and think is to believe. I am your host, live in studio, John Noyes, and uh, I am actually staring at a naked studio, and uh, that's because my my uh, my comrades, my compadres, my friends are not with me tonight. Uh, tonight is normally science night and Dr. Wickman is going to take a little break for a little bit just to uh, to kind of catch her breath with a uh, new ministry coming up and it's been a privilege to be doing this ministry with her for the past, oh gosh, a couple of years now, I think. So uh, so we're going to have to make some adjustments and uh, figure uh, figure some stuff out without Dr. Wickman here for a little bit. But uh, but in the meantime, I am going to try my best to hold the fort down tonight because tonight is a very special night, as I'm hoping most of you guys know. Today was Good Friday, and uh, I had a Good Friday service with uh, with the church where I help pastor, and we had an absolute like ball tonight. I got to say, I mean, we leave it on a somber note because it's a somber day. Uh, Good Friday, for those of you who might be trying to catch up or new to all of this Christian stuff, is the day that we uh, commemorate and celebrate the death of Jesus. Of course, we have the light of the resurrection always in front of us, uh, so it's never truly um, uh, a a sad day, but we definitely, uh, we, we end on a sober note at our church, and actually tonight we met outside at a, at a local park. And, um, and it was, it was actually insane. We had a lot of people, more people. Usually this is a light service for us. At least that's what we feel like. And, um, as far as people coming, but we actually had more people come to this Friday, uh, good, good Friday service, um, at six o'clock at night than we have just about ever had at one of our services. So we had a great time and, uh, we, Really got to uh, enjoy each other's company. And hey, if you're listening live, I just want to say thank you so, so much because you're the reason why we do it. Uh, you guys are our faithful listeners and supporters, and and I'm so grateful that that you guys tune in to listen to what we got for you here at Apologetics.com Radio. And I do want to point out that if you guys uh, if you guys have been listening for a while and you'd like to partner with us financially, there's an easy way to do that to make a tax deductible donation. You can just go to the website Apologetics.com and uh, click on that donate button. In the upper right-hand corner, and you'll see it right there on the on the website. It, you can, it's really easy to do. It's tax deductible, and every single penny goes to keeping us uh, rolling here. You know, uh, we all volunteer our time for the most part, and uh, we just have a great time doing it. So, in uh, preparation for tonight's show, uh, oh, know what? I, I want to make sure I throw out our phone number too. You can give us a call with any question. It doesn't have to be doing with uh, with up up. Um, the resurrection necessarily. That's what I'm going to talk about for most of the night. You can have a question about anything to do with apologetics, um, you know, uh, ethics, values, religion, worldview, philosophy, uh, theology, of course. Uh, feel free to give us a call at 888-995-5552. That's 888-995-5552. And, uh, and I'd, I'll do my best to answer your question. And uh, I'd just love to hear from you. You know, I'm sitting here and, and uh, we, you're the reason why we're doing this. So if you want to say something, if you want to air something or you want to talk about something, feel free to give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. Again, uh, this is John Noyes. I'm the host tonight at Apologetics.com Radio. And if you're listening right now, you're listening live on, uh, on the, I guess, the morning technically after Good Friday. So <clears throat> I've been, uh, you know, I'm a faithful Christian for 
gosh, I, I, I've been a Christian now 14, almost 15 years. Uh, almost, well, more than that, actually, probably uh, almost 15 and a half years. I used to be an atheist, and now I'm a Christian. And, um, and most of you, if you've been listening for any time, have probably heard that story before. And, and since becoming a Christian, I've, I, I, I've become, I've developed a deep sense of um, devotion to the Word of God. I love the Word of God, so I read it often, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Bible often. And right now, I'm tracking with uh, kind of the, the holiday season, I guess we could call it. You know, Easter's coming up. Easter is by far my best or my favorite holiday. It's like, it's like way better than even Christmas. I mean, most people get all jazzed about Christmas. No, 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 no. I get jazzed about Easter because there's, there's fewer distractions. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's uh, fewer distractions out there. It's, it's not as materialistic. It's not, uh, there's, there's less stuff clamoring for Easter attention than during Christmas. And it's also, uh, I mean, the most significant event uh, in human history is the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. So anyways, reading and tracking with the holiday, I had to take a sip of my tea over here. Uh, I've been reading through uh, Mark's gospel. And uh, and so I, I read this, today I read the this morning, the the last few verses of, of, of Mark. It's Mark 16, one through eight. <clears throat> so I'm in, I'm right near the end of Mark and, and I thought I'd share it with you guys and then kind of just maybe share some thoughts and, and see where it gets us. So it's not a typical apologetics message maybe, but, um, but we'll see what we get. And, uh, and again, feel free to give me a call 888-995-KKLA. So, uh, the evangelist Mark, he, he writes this, he says, when starting verse, uh, one of chapter 16, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus's body. Very early in the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will row the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, <laughs> this is so cool. When they woke up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away already. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting at the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said, for you're looking for Jesus, Jesus of the Nazarene who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. So the place where they um, see, see the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you, trembling and bewildered. The women went out. This is really interesting. This is verse eight, trembling and bewildering. The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. You know, <clears throat> a lot comes to my mind when I'm reading this, but most of, mostly it, it, it's, it's the, the, the resurrection of, of Jesus of Nazareth is at the very core of the Christian worldview, guys. And when any individual comes in to find out for themselves that Jesus is alive, their lives, they have to, their lives have to reckon with that understanding. And it happened with me. I mean, when, when, when I came to the realization that Jesus is who he says he is, it rocked my worldview because I was a naturalist. And as a naturalist, I had no category for supernatural events. I thought they were fairy tales. So when I came to face-to-face -to -face with the, the fact 
that Jesus of Nazareth was raised again, it shattered my worldview. And, and I'm not the only one. Saul of Tarsus knew this b- b- better than anyone uh, being who he was, right? A Pharisee, a persecutor of the church. Just read Philippians. He was, he was convinced that Jesus was, was dead and, and anyone following Jesus should be imprisoned or killed. Do you remember that? Remember, he, 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 he didn't believe so, so. So you have Jesus' death and, and burial, and then you have an open tomb. Saul of Tarsus didn't believe the stories, the accounts of a risen Jesus, and he went on to persecute the church. He, and, and anybody he caught worshiping Jesus, he imprisoned or he killed them or had them killed. Like this guy was a persecutor of the church. He killed Christians. That's what he did for a living until <laughs> uh, he, he was knocked off a horse, temporarily, temporarily blinded and, and eternally transformed because he discovered that, that he'd been wrong. He found out in that moment, right then, in, uh, like when he met Jesus on his horse, on that road to Damascus, when he had that experience, he met uh, Jesus. He, 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 uh, he came to an understanding, an intellectual ascent that Jesus was alive. And then that Saul of Tarsus, Saul became Paul, and, and that persecutor became a preacher. And then you see, it, it's a powerful thing to come face to face with the living and true God and, 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 and what we believe about him matters. And that's why I want to talk about this tonight with you guys. That's why I want to talk about this, because what we believe about Jesus matters. In fact, Paul, he goes on to express the core of our beliefs to the church of Corinth. He, he says that, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. And then Paul shares that, that, that the resurrection is central to Christianity. He says that, that if, if Christ has not been raised and our preaching is vain, your faith also is in vain. He says that, that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. He goes on to say that, it, that if, we've, if, if we have hoped in Christ only in this life, we're of, of all people to be most pitied is what he says. Paul says that the resurrection of Jesus, if Jesus has not been raised, then our faith is in vain. And, and let me say this I, I, at the kind of the onset of our time here. Guys, I've, I've probably said this a hundred times over the last couple of years. I am, I am not a Christian uh, because, because it makes me feel good. It certainly hasn't gained me any popularity with people or any wealth. Before, before I was a Christian, I worked at, at some of the most prestigious law firms in, uh, in, 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 in the world, really. And, and before I was doing full-time vocational ministry, first as a pastor and now with a, as, as a speaker and content provider at Stand to Reason, uh, I, I, I was making good money. I was rubbing shoulders with some of the, the brightest and the most powerful people in the world, uh, celebrity clients and, and really smart people. And I, and I was having a good time. Like I'm not a Christian because it gains me uh, popularity or money or, uh, or has, has made life easier because in many regards it hasn't. I'm a Christian because it's true. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that if the resurrection, he narrows it down. He says that the resurrection is not a historical fact if it did not happen in the cosmos, in real space time. If the, his, if the resurrection did not happen, then our faith is in vain. And, and, and not only that, but, but the world should pity us. The world should pity us because we're believing a myth, a fairy tale, a lie. We've been hoodwinked and, and, and the wool's been pulled over our, uh, our eyes. 
So, so if you're a Christian right now, it's you got to be. I, I'm just. I want to be clear that Christianity without the resurrection is not simply Christianity without its final chapter or watered down version of Christianity. Christianity without the bodily resurrection of Jesus is not Christianity at all. And 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 there's there's this idea around there in the progressive circles that that somehow we can get rid of the crucifixion, we can get rid of his Jesus's death, or or get rid of uh, substitutionary atonement. And, and, and stuff like that. And then you still have Christianity. Well, that's just not true. It's not true, guys. Don't, don't believe those lies. Christianity without a resurrection, a bodily resurrection, is, is not Christianity at all. And that's what Paul says. So if you have an issue with that, guys, you don't have the issue with me. You have an issue with Paul. And take it up with him, because he's the one that says, if, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. He's the one who says that if, if we've hoped in Christ only in this life, we are of all people to be most pitied. And, 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 and it's this. It's this resurrection, this amazing event, this resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate this weekend. So, so, so what I have for us tonight is, I just want to, it's not a feel good, your best life now kind of message. Uh, that's just not what I'm about. You know, the, this is the truth. I'm, I'm here to tell you the truth about stuff. And, and, uh, and, and I'm not here just to make you feel good. Like, that's not my point. I say this to my church all the time and in my audiences when I'm traveling around the country speaking. Like, the, uh, the stuff I share with you aren't, aren't empty platitudes. I'm not, I'm not paid to, to make you feel good. That's not, I'm not a motivational speaker. I wouldn't be any good at that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell the truth and not share just empty, you know, an empty message or, or best life now type of message. Uh, I'm here to share a message about the, the awesome and often frightening fact of history that Jesus has been raised. Amen. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is alive and, 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 and he is, he is ruling and reigning currently right now, sitting at the right hand of God, the father and, and, and everything he said is true. Everything. All his promises, all ev- everything he's ever claimed is true. So, so what I'd like to do with the, the, the time that remains, I've, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes or so, the time that remains is, is examine the resurrection of the man from Nazareth according to just this gospel of Mark, which I just read. I opened up starting with just reading that, that, the, 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 those eight verses with you guys, um, <clears throat> you know. There, there are a number of places in the Bible where the resurrection of Jesus is taught, uh, and and tonight, excuse me, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna try to stick to Mark's account and, and and not go go outside of it. It's really neat when you do read all of the accounts kind of side by side together, and each author, each evangelist provides unique, special details according to their own perspective, and it, it's so cool to see, yes, the 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 different details and and the different accounts, but also how well they line up together. And uh, so, I recommend this Easter season, don't just read Mark, but read Matthew, Luke, and and John as well, and uh, and 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 really fully take in the the true historical account of Jesus's death and uh, resurrection this Easter season. So so I'm just going to rely on on gospel the gospel of Mark exclusively and and also at the beginning of our journey let me let me just kind of say that this is this is probably the most challenging account of of the resurrection and for, just simply for the fact because because of the way it ends. <laughs> the first eyewitness is fleeing the empty tomb trembling, bewildered, afraid and silent is what the scripture says. But but the, these women they didn't start out that way. You see you see they were waiting. 
And that's what today, actually, today's Good Friday, well, I guess yesterday now, but Good Friday, that's what Good Friday uh, is, is kind of depicts, right? You have the crucifixion and death of Jesus, but then, all, then you have his disciples, his closest people waiting. They're in a, put in a holder pattern, so to speak. And, and then now in the scripture here, the, the waiting is over. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, the bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus is what verse one says. You see, Jesus was dead and gone. And because of the Sabbath, all, all the markets are closed. Like you got to put yourself in the first century. You got to put yourself in the setting if you can, right? The, the, the scripture, it's not about you, uh, it, it's for you, but it's not about you. But sometimes what we can do is we can put ourselves back into that place. I love to do this with my mind. It's just try to, what was it like right then and there? First century, you're seeing your savior, uh, you're seeing your your rabbi, your best friend, your son, your, your, you mean this, this man that you've been following around, you, you see him get crucified, now he's dead and gone. And because it's the Sabbath, like I said, all the, everything, the, the, all the shops, everything are closed. And then nobody was traveling around during that time. That's not how it was. It was like, it was like how Sundays used to be here. Well, I don't know how it was in, 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 uh, in Southern California, but in growing up in Massachusetts, we had the blue laws. And if you guys know what those are, the blue laws, like, you know, restrict alcohol sales, for example. Like, you cannot buy alcohol in Massachusetts, or at least up until recently. You could not buy alcohol on, on Sundays. And then growing up, I remember Sundays were slow days. And I didn't go to Christian. I didn't go to, I didn't go to church. I wasn't a Christian. But they were slow. Everything slowed down on Sunday. What was the same during the Sabbath? Everything slowed down. There was no traveling about. People weren't playing sports. Like, you know, they weren't going to the store. There was no grocery shopping. You know, and and and, and these women, they 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 waited what must have felt like an eternity to perform one last act of devotion, one last act of love towards their now dead sage friend and leader. And then and, and put yourself in their shoes. They were witness to it all, guys. They were witness to it all. They, they saw the chief priests and the scribes plot and, and plan to arrest Jesus and kill him in Mark 14 and then through 15. And, and, and by now, they knew Jesus was, was betrayed by one of his own. They knew Judas now betrayed Jesus, betrayed with a kiss. And then and, and they lived through the, the mockery of a trial. Pilate's question, are you the king of the Jews? You see, these three, they, they heard the cries of the crowd, crucify him. They would have seen the beatings. They would have smelt the blood. They would have heard the final words. They would have felt the ground tremble. They would have witnessed the darkness as Jesus breathed his last. And they could do nothing. So they waited. And then the waiting gave way to first light in verse 2 of, 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 of Mark. Right. So, so, uh, Mark 16 verse two says very early in the, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. Genesis one here. And when I'm reading this, Genesis one comes, comes just rushing into my mind. The, the formless earth, desolate, empty darkness, hovering over the surface of the deep, just, just as darkness had fallen over creation as the son of heaven was crushed under the weight of the, of the world's sin, not even 72 hours earlier. Then God said, let there be light. The women, they, <laughs> they couldn't yet see that, that with the, the day's sunrise came the dawning of a new world, one in which heaven and earth collided violently. A flattened world at this time at, when Jesus was raised again 
when, when Jesus was crucified and then raised again, a flattened world had regained its dimension. A, a more than ordinary dawn ripe with promise of, of a renewed creation. Like, like the disciples, they, they failed to grasp Jesus' full teaching about himself, his death, and his resurrection. Because Jesus wasn't like a secret about this stuff. Jesus was very uh, forthright. The night before Jesus was crucified, he was telling his disciples exactly what was going to happen. Down to the last detail, he told them that Judas was going to betray him. They, he told them everything. But they just couldn't grasp it. They couldn't lay claim to it. So they didn't get it. And, and, and if we're honest, I, you know, the, on, on Easter morning, we find ourselves in a position altogether different, though. We, we, we are in a different spot than, than the, this three that we're talking about. We're in a different spot because we've read Matthew, Luke, John, Paul, James, and, and the other evangelists. We've read the Bible. We know the ends. We certainly know what happens after the crucifixion. But before we move on, I think it's important that, 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 we, that I want to point out what, what, what makes Mark so different from the other Gospels is that his is a story of struggle and doubt, questioning. It's not that his, his isn't a triumphant message. It is. It's, it, it, I mean, there's, there's, there's a triumph in there. The, the grave is conquered in, in, in Mark's gospel. The grave is conquered. What's lacking, though, is, is a sense of triumphalism. For, for us, uh, on Easter morning, we can take away the, an understanding of, of what it is to trust Jesus and to believe the promises he's made, even as the world makes little sense to us, even as the, the, as the culture of confusion, the culture of chaos lays claim to some victims. We can still make sense of this because we've read the beginning from the end. But even as, as the darkness falls, we know the dawn is coming. Even, even now, we've, we, we, we live a, a redeemed life. Even now, we live a resurrected life. But, but I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here a little bit. So, so let's bring it back to ladies. The, 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 the ladies, they're on their way to do the only thing they can think of. One last act of, of loving devotion. And on the road, verse 3 says, they each asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? <laughs> it's, it's such a practical concern, right? You know, it, 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 take note of, of, of the heft of that stone and, 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 uh, and, and understand its importance. It was big. And then as they were walking up to it, they were like, I just want to do this one last thing for my Savior. I just want to do this one last thing for my Messiah. I just want to do this one last thing for my Jesus. But there's this huge tomb. There's this, I mean, this huge stone in the way. You know, perhaps these ladies should have, should have thought about this before they set out that morning. <laughs> you know, but, but we can only assume their, their lack of forethought was due to their broken hearts. It would have been me if I was in this situation. That's not what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking practically. But nevertheless, their concern was moot. The tomb was laid open for them. When they got there, they, verse 4 says that, but, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Friends, this, this is magnificent. You know, Mark's mention of the stone's size underscores the, the understanding that, that a mighty force had to have rolled it away. <laughs> you see, uh, a more than human force had, had been at work in that more than ordinary dawn. So, so because, because you have these three women and the three women, they're, they're not weak women, right? I mean, these are, these are working women. They were wondering how they were going to roll that stone away. So it was a feat. It, it was something, something magnificent happened, but there's more. 
Mark here uses the, the perfect passive tense conveying the notion that while the stone was rolled away in the past, the effects of the – listen to this, guys. This is so cool. And I don't speak Greek. I don't read Greek, so I'm not pretending I do. But just I read some commentaries on this passage before I came here tonight, and, and this is what I learned. And, and this blows my mind. Like when we read the tense, the, pa- the passive tense, it's conveying the notion that, that while the stone was rolled away in the past, the effects of its rolling away linger on to the present and into the future. Christian, do you get that? Do you get what I'm saying? That the, the triumphant the, the triumphant effect of the tomb of Jesus being opened lingers on forever. This is this is uh, the, 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 this is the difference between resurrection and resuscitation. Just as as, as the, the grave of Jesus was opened, so too is yours and mine. Just as Jesus has been raised, so too have you and me. Verse 5 says that as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting at the right hand or the right side, and they were alarmed. You see, where, where, the, women, where the women were expecting to find death, they ultimately found life. But again, they just didn't get it yet. As they entered the tomb, and they, 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 they were entering into another world. They expected to be going into the realm of death, but unknowingly, they entered into a new realm where death had been conquered once and for all. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. You see, the, a flat world gained its dimension on, on, on that morning, on Easter morning, 2,000 so or so years ago. And God saw fit to use a young man sitting at the right side uh, sitting on the right side as as a signpost of sorts of the transformation. But it's not just a man. It's an angel of the Lord, a divine messenger pointing these ladies to the now shattered barrier that once separated the divine sphere and the human sphere of reality. And can you can can you feel it? Like as we seek to place ourselves in this situation with these ladies, put themselves in their shoes, can you feel it? The women grappling on earth with the reality of a new world, a new creation, breaking in, freaking out. I would be freaking out. Totally. You know, so, so, so the angel in, in typical angel fashion tries to calm these ladies down and he just says, hey, 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 don't be alarmed. You're looking for, the, for, for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. He, see, see, see the place where they laid him? You see, the angel of the Lord isn't just trying to calm these women down. He's, he's introducing us to the idea that, that this man from Nazareth, who, who, who's crucified, is in fact the crucified one who, 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 as Paul said, loved me and gave himself up for me. The angel says that, that he's been he, he's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. He points to it. But it doesn't stop there, our story. And we're going to take a quick break and, uh, and hopefully wrap this up uh, on the other side of the, 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 the advertisements. So if, if you're with us, this is Apologetics.com Radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. And we're just going through some Easter stuff. Uh, hang in there with me. We're going we're gonna to finish this up when we get back. Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think 
and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. Joseph was only 17 when he was thrown into the pit, but 30 when he stood before Pharaoh. Hello, I'm Chuck Swindoll. Do the math. Thirteen long years since the bottom dropped out of his life. Thirteen unendurable years before things changed for the better. And yet when we read the Genesis account, we find no sign of discouragement on Joseph's part. Honestly, I cannot find it, neither can you, because it isn't there. Joseph was a man who lived above the drag of self-pity and despair. Lesson to be learned, living above circumstances and setbacks. We can surely learn it from Joseph. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. This is John MacArthur welcoming you to Portraits of Grace. I imagine it would be quite an honor to be an ambassador for the United States, representing this country's character and power to other nations. As Christians, we have an even greater honor, though, and that's to represent the character and power of our God to the world. Peter challenges us to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That means we are to make something known that is unknown. In this case, it is God's excellencies which are his powerful and heroic deeds, including the deeds of salvation. We have the great privilege of proclaiming what God has done for his people. Let's take full advantage of our opportunities to do so. This is John MacArthur hoping you'll join me again for Portraits of Grace. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. And we are back just like that. Not too shabby, huh? That wasn't too bad. It was like, what was that, like a minute, 60 seconds or something like that? And um, hey, if you are just flipping through the stations, then you've caught us at a perfect time. This is Apologetics.com radio, where we challenge believers to think and think is to believe. And this is the time of night when we come to life. And uh, we do it for you, our listeners. And I just want to say thank you guys so, so much for your dedication and your listening to us. Uh, I'm John Noyes. I'm one of the hosts here. There's... Uh, a bunch of us actually that float around, you know, and, um, and, uh, and we just have a good time and we do it for you and it's all volunteer work and I'm just having a good time here, hoping to share a little bit of my passion for, for Christ and a little bit of my life and, uh, and hopefully it affects you for, 
for, uh, well, for the kingdom, ultimately, and God's glory. You know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And, and that's my endeavor. And this is a very, very special weekend. It is Easter weekend. It's my favorite weekend of the entire year. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be anywhere other than where I'm at right now, uh, sharing that with you guys. And I just want to say, if you're listening, you got a question about what's going on, what, what I'm talking about, uh, or if you just have a question in the area of value, ethics, religion, worldview, and of course, apologetics, feel free to give me a call at 888 888- Nine nine five 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 two eight 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 nine nine five KKLA, and I'd love to take your calls because it is January, February, March, April, April sixteenth, um, and it's twelve thirty-two in the evening or the morning, however you want to look at it. For me, it's 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 a, it's a tough call. Uh, usually, I I uh, designate my days by my sleep, so I haven't been to bed yet, and. Uh, and so it's still it's still the fifteenth in my mind. But uh, if you if you're just tuning in, hey, we've been talking about the the resurrection of Jesus. Of course, it's Easter. We're coming off of uh, we're coming off of Good Friday, where we celebrate the res- I mean, the, the crucifixion of Jesus. And it's it's usually a more somber holiday where we remember what was given for us, the price that was paid. You see, we are all each and every one of us made in the image of God, and being made in the image of God, we are of infinite value and worth, and uh, and and uh, God needs nothing more to look at us and, and know that we're special. Neither does anybody else. That's where we derive our meaning, purpose, and dignity from is the being made in the image of God. But as image bearers, we also are sinners, and and we fell, and we we fall, and we break things, and we break God's moral law, and uh, we are in desperate need of a rescuer. And but God has provided that rescuer through the God man, Jesus of Nazareth, who died and bled for us. He was crucified and uh, in so being crucified and died, he paid the penalty that that you and I can't afford for uh, dying the death that we should have died. And then three days later, he was raised again. And in that resurrection, we find promise of future life and, uh, and a hope of everlasting life reigning and ruling in, in a new world, in a new earth, a new heaven uh, alongside Jesus. And that is the good news, my friends. That is the good news that Easter celebrates. And we've just been going through the gospel of Mark. And uh, so, so what we've done is we started in verse one of chapter 16. We're going to go first through verse eight. So we're not quite going through the entire chapter. Um, but so far what we've, what we've seen is that the, the women, if you just come coming in here, you've got Mary, Mary and Salome and they, uh, they, the Sabbath is now over. So they're venturing out and they want to just do one more act of devotion to their, to their man, Jesus. And they gather some spices and they're going to the tomb. They get there. The tomb is uh, open, which is shocking to them because it was a huge stone in the way. And then when they go in, they're expecting to find death, but they don't find death. What do they find? They find an angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord uh, says, Hey, don't be alarmed. You know, you're looking for J- Jesus the Nazarene who's crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place. And he points over. You can picture him. He's just pointing over. He says, see the place where you laid him. You guys put him right here, you know, three days ago. And now he's gone. And then, and then they're freaking out. The, the women are freaking out. Um, and, but, but notice he tries to calm them down, but he also gives them instruction. And that's where we left off where in verse six at the, the second half of verse six, where the angel of the Lord, the, the angel says he, he has risen. Jesus has risen. Jesus isn't here. See the place where you laid him. And, and then I, I just want to point this out that found in these words, uh, isn't just the idea that Jesus's body is gone. It's more than that. 
You see, the heavenly figures is saying that Jesus, the angel, is saying that, that Jesus, who was placed in the tomb by human hands, is now, due to divine agency, someplace else. You know, this is what, what, what's happening here, what the angel is saying, is that this isn't a natural occurrence. This was a supernatural event. You know, the, the tomb was empty because God raised Jesus, and in so doing, he was fulfilling his promises from the beginning of time, putting the final foe under the feet of the chosen one. Death is dead right then and there at that moment. Death is conquered. I mentioned that right before the break. And, and if the women could have, could have slowed down, if they could have just chilled out, gotten off the highway of life at that moment, if they could have just slowed down, they, they would have seen the solution to the very thing that caused them to grieve, death, they would have seen how, how, like, how could Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, um, you know, but, but also be given up to suffering and death. That's what they were wrestling with. They, they, they were wrestling with this understanding of, of Jesus being this, this Savior that they were so desperately looking for. And the Son of God, which Jesus was teaching them, how could, this, this thing, how could Jesus die? How could he die? But if they would slow down, they would realize, oh, wait a second. Oh, now it makes sense because in his resurrection, because he's not here, death is dead. But the, the, the understanding just wasn't there. And it wouldn't have been for, for, for us either, I don't think. If, I, if I'm at that tomb, I'm freaking out just like these, these women are. I'm not understanding it. I, I, you know, like, like I said before, at the, before the break, you know, the, the disciples have been taught all this stuff ahead of time. None of this was a surprise to disciples if they were able to actually think about what was happening. You know, but, but, but saints of God before, you know, I said that, that good Friday in the, indicates a time of waiting that, that, that time for waiting is over. The time for going has come. The women are given a mission here next in verse seven, uh, the angel says, uh, but go. So, so Jesus isn't here. Jesus, the Nazarene, he isn't here. Look where that you laid him. He's not here. He's risen. But go tell his disciples and Peter. I love how he segregates out Peter. It's just like kind of like, anyways, um, he, he, he's going ahead of, of, of you into Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. You see, Jesus, Jesus told him what was going to happen. You know, so, so, so there's so much more here than, than simply telling the disciples something they already knew, though. You know, the days earlier, Jesus had, had revealed ahead of time everything that was about to happen. He, he told them during the Passover meal that he was going to be betrayed. He told them of his death. He told them he'd, he'd be raised again. He told them of their, uh, of their in, intimate, uh, in, imminent desertion and, and scattering. Like, he told them that this stuff was going to happen. So, so the events didn't surprise Jesus. He knew his guys would waver. He knew that they would falter. Even so, he told them to go ahead to Galilee to, to meet him after his resurrection. And in light of this, the, the, the mission the women are given to pass on to the disciples showed that despite their epic failure, despite uh, them leaning into who they are, the, their failure, they're still called to discipleship. This is beautiful. You see, see their reluctance to follow Jesus into Jerusalem uh, ultimately grew into a wholesale desertion. This was seen in the, in, the, in the still of the night as the Romans laid hands on the son of heaven. And, and, and Mark says that in, and, and his disciples all left him and fled. Christian, hear me. 
if you're listening right now, hear this. Even 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 as as his closest friends had been ashamed of him, Jesus didn't become ashamed of them. Even as his closest friends abandoned him, Jesus never abandoned them. Even as his closest friends were were unfaithful, Jesus remained faithful. You see, because Jesus is the unashamed uh, Savior of the world. Jesus is the closest friend that anybody will ever have, and he will never leave you or never forsake you. He'll never abandon you, not ever. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is always faithful. He doesn't know how to be anything but faithful. And, and he shows the, his disciples this, and, 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 and by proxy us too, he shows this as Jesus, Jesus is going to remain faithful. He's going he's, he's to re- remain unashamed. He's going to remain uh, non-abandoned because he's still going to go ahead of them to Galilee, are the words that we read. And we find ourselves where, where it all began. The, 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 the chosen few called to, to follow Jesus to Galilee to make a new start on discipleship. Just as Jesus you know, cured the blind man at, at Bethsaida, this new beginning brings the end of the disciples' blindness. Do you see this? You see, this new beginning marks when, when, when Jesus is going to rub the scales from the disciples' eyes. And I love that. I said it before, and I, I want to highlight this a little bit. I love that Peter is singled out here. Peter's the one who went to the, the, went the, the extra mile to completely disassociate himself with Jesus. And, and, he, and here's the, the assurance of forgiveness and, and reinstatement. Peter retaining his special place among the 12 in the new phase of life that Jesus' resurrection is opening up for the community of the kingdom. What an amazing mission assigned to the women, by the way. Wonderful news to share with Jesus' core group. And sometimes we're told that, 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 that Christianity is anti-woman. I don't think so. I don't think so. They're the first eyewitnesses to this event. They're the first ones to testify to it. At least that's what they're charged to, but they didn't see it that way. Because in verse 8, it says that they were trembling and bewildered, and the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. <laughs> and here, here we have our ending, which begins the challenge I mentioned at the, at the start of our time. It's widely accepted that, that these are the, the final words of Mark. The, the things that come after verses 9 to the end, so I think it goes through 9, 9 to 19 or 20, 9 to 20, your Bible should have a footnote. It should have a footnote saying that these are the, 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 this is most likely a later edition. So, so right here in these words, these women trembling and afraid, not saying anything to anyone is where Mark chose to end his gospel. This is where he chose to, 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 to drop the record. And he leaves us with the understanding that the first people to discover the empty tomb were so shaken by what they had experienced, they ran away in fear, so fearful that they didn't didn't heed the words of the angel. And they kept silent, at least temporarily. You know, at first glance, it's hard to accept that this is the end. (laughs) That's why I said at the beginning, this is like the hardest uh, gospel, uh, at least the hardest resurrection narrative for many of the gospels to, to study and to go through. You don't want this to be the end. Say it ain't so. 
Because you don't have, and there's there's no appearances of the risen Jesus. Isn't that what it's all about? But then when you think about it, this fits perfectly with the rest of the Gospel of Mark. It shouldn't surprise us. Mark Mark does it on purpose. Friends, if if if, if listen to what I, listen to what I have to say about this. This is amazing. This this blows my mind. Mark's book is it, it, the whole thing has portrayed a misunderstanding, fear, failure, and, and and flight on the part of the disciples from the very start. Like, go through and read it. It's the shortest gospel. You can read it in an hour, and and, and read it from beginning to end without stopping. And you're going to see a pattern of these things. You're going to see a pattern. And, and, and you see, he's, he's confronted his readers. Mark has confronted his readers with, with Jesus' startling words, astonishing claims, awesome deeds, and divine logic that, that overturns all human ways of thinking. An upside-down world uh, you know, uh, presented to, to us, laid out for us. You know, like, like the original disciples, we have to come to grips with the mystery of God's plan for a crucified Messiah. Now here in this final verse, you and I have been brought front and center into the story. We too are now face to face with the announcement of Jesus' victory over death. Do you see this? That's what this Sunday morning is about. That's what's coming in, in, in 24 hours, just over that. That's what's waiting for us on Sunday morning. You know, this, this Easter Sunday, let me be the first to invite you to ask yourself the question, how am I going to respond to these things? How is this going to change me? Now, I've got, what, 10, 10 minutes left. You know, let me, let me try to wrap this up a little bit here with, with some thoughts. Just please, please understand that as, as a Christian apologist, uh, every part of me just wants to, to share with you guys an, an apologetic message. 13 historical facts that, that show the resurrection is, is historically reliable. <laughs> that would be so much easier for me to do right here and now. I wouldn't need any notes. I could, I could list the historical data. I could, I could give you supporting evidence from, from biblical sources, non-biblical sources, unfriendly sources, early sources, late sources. It'd be easier for me. And, and probably easier for you by extension, actually. <laughs> you know, you know if, if I just spent my time with you this evening ex- explaining why things like the swoon theory or, or the idea that the disciples stole the body of Jesus simply didn't hold water. But I'm not doing that because that's not the message I think that, that many of us need to hear this Easter. I think we need to hear why this is at all relevant to our lives today. Why, why do any of us care about what three women saw as, as, as they went to a graveyard one spring day 2,000 years ago? It's, it's in these things that we find the answer to the most pressing questions of life, though. It's in the resurrection of Jesus we find meaning. It's in the resurrection of Jesus that we find our purpose. And it's in the resurrection of Jesus we find our identity our destiny. I can't think of anything more relevant to spend our time thinking about. So, so as, as I slow down and wrap up, I, I, I want to encourage you guys. Take time. 
this Easter Sunday to think about the ramifications of what we're celebrating. This isn't about Easter eggs and bunnies. This isn't even about, you know, uh, the big celebrations at church. This is about a a man from Nazareth 2,000 years ago suffering and dying and then raising again from the dead. The beauty of a, of, of, of a morning stirs within us a longing for something. The, the, the joy of human relationships that, that we seem to mess up creates in us a, a longing for ultimate relationship. The longing for justice, a, 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 a thing that's a topic that's been out in the cultural conversation for a while now, but that longing for justice screams out a desire for things to be put right. But, but there has to be a right before things can be put there. Our eternal desire for, for meaning and purpose All of these things find their beginning and end in the resurrection of Jesus. Can't you see that? So while at first I I struggled with the idea that these women were so afraid that that they didn't recognize what was happening, I think I mentioned that as we were going through the passage together. I'm sitting here tonight now wondering why you and me aren't more shaken more often to the core. In full recognition of, of, of what's happened. Why aren't re- we wrecked by the love of God displayed in his wrath poured out on his son? You know, this, this wrecks me when I think about it. Every day, brothers and sisters, as I, as I contemplate the cost of my salvation. And fast forward to tomorrow, Resurrection Sunday. The day we, we commemorate the, the solution to the problem that's plagued humankind since its inception, death. Death is, is man's ultimate foe. Death is the one thing that we constantly try to escape as if we haven't already. The answer to death has been given. From, from, from the minute you're born, there's the reality that you are going to die. And this has gripped the entire world these last three years, <laughs> if you think about it. Death is, has been a paralyzing fear to many, and, 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 and to most, it's at least been, been a thought. Every one of us now knows somebody who's, who's died due to coronavirus, so wouldn't it make sense for, for, the, for the world to be looking for a solution to that? A solution to death? Asking if, if there's anyone out there who's conquered death, and if so, is, is, is there a way for, for, for me to conquer death too? But friends, this is, this is the very heart of the Christian story. That Jesus Christ has conquered death, that, that death exists because of our rebellion against God, because of our own sin. And, and, and this is why the good has, has, has become bad and, 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 and the bad good in the world. This is why things have become flipped upside down. But, the, but that's why Jesus has, has broken into the cosmos and, and, and real space-time history. This is why Jesus, in order that, 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 that our messed up lives might find the repair we so desperately need. This is what Jesus came to do. Jesus said to Martha outside the tomb of Lazarus, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. 
and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Is what he asked Martha. Well, tonight or this morning, however you think about it, I ask you the same question. Saints of God, do you believe this? If you're listening to this and you don't know who Jesus is, if you, if you don't know Christ, I invite you to know him. He is the resurrection and the life. Anyone who comes to Jesus will inherit eternal life. Nothing to do on your part. All the work has been done. You see, you see Mark knows that the, the readers of his gospel are aware of, of how the story unfolds. Peter and the disciples, the, 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 they do see the risen Lord. And the world will be forever changed. But this is the important part for us this evening. Jesus' promises haven't been fulfilled because the women succeeded in carrying out their mission. Jesus' promises have been fulfilled by the power of God who's able to overcome every human failure. In this way, Jesus' words are trustworthy in, in every regard. The women failed for, for the same reason we fail. The supernatural is, is, is rightly unordinary, disorientation and terrifying when encountered. This, is, this, this Bible that we read, what I'm reading from tonight, this is not a safe book, brothers and sisters. The message of the, of the saints is, 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 the, is the message that saves, but it's not a safe message. And going a step further, there's, there's immense comfort and, and hope in this. If you're listening right now and you call yourself a Christian, if you claim the name of Christ, you are my brother and you are my sister and even the most famous followers of Jesus failed. Some of them miserably at first, but Jesus was ready to give them a second chance. Just like every single one of us, me and you, every single day are going to fail. But what we find on this resurrection Sunday is Jesus never fails. And we don't find our fulfillment in our failures and our successes, but only in the success of Jesus Christ. A poem is brought to my mind. Annie Johnson Flint. He giveth more grace when the burdens go greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To add to the affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplied peace. When we've exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full given has only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. And listen to these words, friends. The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary, known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Saints of God, if you are listening and you, and you are a Christian, you are a saint of God. If you're sitting there tonight, right now, or wherever you are, if you're, if you're in need of a second chance, is that you? If so, I, I invite you to come to the foot of the cross this Easter weekend, this, this resurrection weekend. I invite you to lean hard on the promises of the risen one who said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. 
It's in light of all of this that on this, this resurrection weekend, this resurrection morning, just 24 hours from now, we're once again invited to trust the resurrection of Jesus and everything that flows from it. You see, friends, the story hasn't ended. Instead, it continues in the life of every Christian for all time. It continues in your life and in my life, even when we mess up, even when we, when we stumble, especially when we stumble, especially when we mess up because we don't rely on our efforts. We rely on the effort of the only perfect one who ever lived. We claim the promise of the resurrection of Jesus. That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. That's what Easter is about. And that's why it's so glorious. So yes, I, I could sit here and I, and I could argue, you know, uh, three fundamental facts about the resurrection and give you guys an apologetic for it. And that stuff's important. I'm not belittling that. I mean, heck, this is, this is uh, apologetics.com radio. You know, our, our tagline is we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. We're all about the intellectual stuff. But I feel like sometimes this time of year, we give way to the intellectual stuff and, and, and we put on the back burner the truth, the fundamental truths that transform, that we rely on Christ for our salvation with every breath. And we've looked to the future resurrection where we get to spend eternity with Jesus face to face. And if you don't know that, now's the time, my friends. And this is a perfect weekend for you to find a church. Let's go hear a message of hope and to find that hope in a cross in a man from Nazareth that lived 2,000 years ago but still lives today. And with that, guys, happy Easter. He is risen. I'm John Noyes. This is Apologetics.com Radio where we challenge believers to think and think is to believe. Have a good weekend.